Yeah, I would say that most of my practice is made up of people who say, Joe, my life just isn't going well. In fact, it's kind of a disaster. <laughs> and I, I love it when people actually come and say, I want to change. I want my life to be better. I believe it can be better. That's most of my practice. But every once in a while, I get a call and I say, you know, my life is miserable. Oh, okay. Tell me about that. What makes it so miserable? Ah, it's my family. Could you change them? <laughs> oh, sure. Where's my magic wand? Let me just wave it around and I'll change your family. It doesn't work that way. But then when I challenge them, I say, but maybe you can change. But Joe, I'm not the one with the problem. They're crazy. Okay, they might be crazy. I don't know. But yes, in fact, you do have the problem. Because you're dealing with all the insanity in a way that actually isn't helping you. And sometimes you have to actually just accept the fact that your family won't change. You've tried everything that you can. You've prayed for them. You've cajoled them. You've reasoned with them. And still they're crazy. So what do you do when your family members won't change? That's when it's time for you to figure out how to manage and how to heal. Because sometimes no matter what it is that you do, you stay, you stay, you stay, you do everything you can, and they just don't change. And sometimes you have to accept that that's the reality. They're not going to change. But what are you going to do? It doesn't matter if they're making a mess of their lives, if what they're doing is harmful, mean, passive-aggressive, Whatever it is they're doing, sometimes you have to just accept the fact that they're who they are. But what are you going to do? I want to remember. I want you to remember. I remember this too when I'm dealing with my own family members who I can't change. <laughs> or my friends who can't change. Or my dog who won't change. Jesus, when he sent the apostles out in Luke chapter 10, he said, I am going to send you out as lambs in a wolf pack. And I think that in itself is quite interesting. In other words, sometimes if you identify as the lamb, which Jesus wants you to in this case, it means that you're defenseless to change them, that you're going to need all the help that God can give you. But Jesus sends them out, the lambs among the wolves. And he said, wow, what a huge harvest. And you might look at that and say, yeah, there's a lot of crazy people out there. How do I change them? <laughs> Jesus said, be careful. This is hazardous work. But here's what's key. When you enter a home, greet the family. Peace. And if your greeting is received, then it's a good place to stay. But if it's not received, take it back and get out. Don't impose yourself. Now, could there be a more important message for you to convey than God's message of love, of healing, of salvation, of life? Nothing more important than that. So no matter what your crazy family members are doing, your change isn't the most important change that they have to engage in. But even when Jesus says, when you're presenting the message of salvation, don't impose yourself. Let it go. And I want to say sometimes that's what you have to do is to understand that it's not your job to change that person. We've all been given personal responsibility to do what we can do with our lives, to take the talents, the gifts that God has given us, and to do something with it. And as a parent, of course, you 
well, I don't want to say you impose your will, but you exert your will, your influence on your children. But now that your children are grown, now that you're talking about your friends who are making a mess of their lives, or maybe you're looking even at your parents and saying, wow, they're gone. Now what? Well, maybe when you take that first step and say, you know what, I've got to let this go. I can't actually change them. Then maybe the next step is to actually mourn the fantasy life that you think you could have had. I say fantasy because the truth is sometimes we make up what we think, oh, if they were just not so crazy, less dysfunctional, not an addict, whatever it is, then life would be wonderful. Let it go. Sometimes that's just a family member. It's okay to mourn that. The closeness that you imagined, the life, the joy that you thought could exist. But maybe sometimes you just have to say, I don't know what would have been. But maybe this is a fantasy. But allow yourself to grieve that and let it go and recognize that, in fact, it might have been a fantasy. And you have to sometimes say, I just have to accept what is. Now, I don't mean to if accept your misery where you are in your life. Oh, I just got to be miserable. I guess that's it. That's what Joe said, acceptance. <laughs> no, I'm saying accept what other people are. You don't have to accept your complicity, your relationship as it is. You can step out of that. You have to accept that this is who they are and where they are right now. It doesn't mean you give up loving them or caring or praying for them. It just means that you give up playing God, thinking that you can actually change them. But as you mourn that fantasy, that loss of that relationship that you dreamed about, I want you to consider something else, Matthew chapter 10. Jesus is very clear when he talks about family. He talks about life and he says, hey, I didn't come here to make life cozy. I've come to cut, to make a sharp knife cut between son and father and daughter and mother and bride and mother-in-law. All these cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. Because well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. It doesn't mean all family is your worst enemy. It just means they can be. Above all else, God wants you for himself. He said, if you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you prefer son or daughter over me, you don't deserve me. And you might be longing for that relationship. Oh, if it could just be something beautiful. Well, that relationship can't. But your relationship with God can be. How do you respond to the insanity? Do you get caught up in it? It's like, oh my gosh, Joe, I spend 10 minutes with them and I sound like a raving lunatic. Well, you can change that. Instead of being reactive, you can actually think about what do you want to do? How do you want to respond? How do you want to feel when you're in the midst of that chaotic family dynamic? What do you value? Are you proud of yourself when you get caught up and start yelling or accusing or condemning or shut down? Do you say, I'm going to match fire with fire? You don't have to. If Jesus were there, how would he respond? If Jesus were with you, and he is, 
How does he want you to respond in the midst of the insanity? With calm, with love, with peace, with laughter? See, you've got a choice over how you respond. Now, I suggest that you actually practice this, that you think about this before you're in the presence of that person. You can't just step into it and say, oh, I'm I'm, going to be great. You have to actually imagine what it is, how you want to be, and show up with that, with that sense of calm, that sense of peace. Maybe you have to step away. Like the gospel said, present the message. If they reject it, walk away. Okay, maybe that's an option. Maybe you walk away. Because your response may actually create a new dynamic within that family. You are working so hard at changing them, but if you work a little harder on just changing how you act, that, in fact, might be the key. Romans chapter 2, Paul said, He said, a lot of people, they're on a dark spiral downward. But if you think that leaves you on high ground, where you can point your finger at others, think again. Because every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. That it takes one to know one, judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection and your own crimes. (laughs) But God isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through all the smoke screens and holds you to what you have done. Yes, it might be a challenge when you're with that chaotic, racist, ugly, difficult person. But you are still going to be held to account for how you act. You've got to be grounded in truth. Sometimes you might think, oh my gosh, am I the only one that sees the insanity? Knows how crazy Uncle Bob is? Probably not. The truth is other people are probably seeing and experiencing the same thing. You're not alone. But maybe they figured out a different way to deal with the insanity. Maybe they're actually at peace, not because the crazy family member is at peace, but they've learned to accept who they are and instead have charted a different path for their own life. And they can stay grounded in truth and faith and be calm. And when you tap into your faith, when you say, all right, Lord, how can I be sane, peaceful, loving in the midst of all this? God will say, well, I'll help you out with that. Sometimes it takes up all of the oxygen in the room when you see that crazy, dysfunctional, difficult person. Again, I've spoken about this before. The brain has what's called a negativity bias. It also actually sometimes has a positivity bias, but I don't want to confuse you with that right now. (laughs) But things with an emotional charge grab your attention. And so sometimes when you're looking at that difficult person, it grabs your attention. But it's at that point that you actually have to make a decision to say, now, wait a second, this isn't the only person in my life. What other meaningful connections or interactions can I have right now? Instead of just focusing on this one crazy, difficult person, where are the beautiful people? Where are these relationships that I can actually cultivate? Focus on those. 
even if it's a, a Thanksgiving meal, when all 28 of your closest family members get together, and you're saying, I'm going to see, who are you again? What's your name? How am I related to you? <laughs> but you know that one or two crazy ones are going to be there. Make a plan for it. Because there might be those other relationships, those other relatives that you can actually spend time with and insulate yourself from the crazy and have a good time with those who are real. But this, and I might want to say, might be the most important point of this. Sometimes you look at family dynamics and they can be wonderful. I personally have a, a great close relationship with all my brothers and sisters. I'm very fortunate, all eight kids, and we're all pretty close. Not that there's not some insanity, but <laughs> that's a different talk. But remember, sometimes when family relationships seem overly complicated, you can choose your family. Those friendships, those people who want to be with you, not because you're born into this family, but people who say, yeah, I share your values. I see you. I hear you. I love you. I like you. Let them be your family, your brother, your sister, rather than trying to make a relationship with a family member that in all likelihood is not going to mature. Let yourself go. Jesus one time was teaching and preaching and healing, and his family members showed up. Now, they weren't crazy. They weren't dysfunctional. They were beautiful. They were wonderful. But he still had this message. He was surrounded by a crowd. And they said, Lord, your mother, your brothers, your sisters are outside looking for you. And Jesus responded, who do you think are my mother, my brothers? And he looked around at everyone around him. And he looks at you right now and he said you those who do my will those who love me they are my mother my brothers my sisters that's the relationship you can count on focus on that i will meet you back on the road and remember always forward <laughs>